This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Prince Eric stormed into the armory, a deadly glint in his eye. Fetch my armor! We're going to war! As his attendants swarmed about him, Prince Eric's father, King Harald, walked in. Eric, what is the meaning of this? I won't let that vile beast get away with this, father. Brunhilda is my betrothed. He won't take her from me. He didn't take her from anyone. Brunhilde went with Boda willingly. But he's a giant. There are sworn enemies. You there, where is my sword? Enough of this foolishness, Eric. I don't care how skilled a swordsman you are. You're no match for Bodo. To him, a stab from your longsword will feel like getting poked with a toothpick. I know. I just can't bear the thought of my fair Brunhilde stuck in his castle, all alone. She must be so frightened. Prince Eric slumped as his attendants removed his armor. King Harald put a comforting arm on his. Together, they looked out the window toward Bodo's castle, looming atop a distant mountain. I'm sorry, my son, but Brunhilde is on her own. If she wants to escape Bodo's clutches, she'll have to do it herself. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Germanic traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. Today, we're telling the story of Brunhilde at Rostrapa, 
a Germanic myth about a young woman imprisoned in an evil giant's lair. Although it's not clear when it originated, the story of Brunhilde at Rostrapa was first published in Tufi Lada's 1881 collection of regional Germanic folklore, Legends and Tales of the Hearts Mountains. This myth was part of a long-standing oral tradition within the aforementioned mountain range, located in what is now northern Germany. It was inspired by the region's most distinctive landmark, a depression atop a craggy hill that looks like a massive hoofprint. And the legend of how it got there is quite the tale. Long, long ago, in the mountains of Bohemia, there lived a kind and gentle king named Thomas. He had a beautiful wife, Zara, who gave birth to a golden-haired baby girl they named Brunhilde. Life was good. Their castle, perched high atop an isolated peak, was a safe haven for the young family. The kingdoms below had to contend with a host of dangerous creatures, such as the giants that roamed the northern regions and the life-sucking demons known as the Naziera demons that lurked in the southern wastes. But Thomas's kingdom was too far from their evil grasp. However, the happy family soon learned that even the tallest walls couldn't keep tragedy at bay. When Brunhilde was still a little girl, her mother, Zara, fell gravely ill. This time, the isolation that had kept their family safe worked against them. By the time a doctor arrived, there was nothing he could do to save her. I'm scared, mother. <coughs> Don't be, my love. Promise me, you'll take care of your father. I will. I swear it. The death of his wife sent King Thomas spiraling into a deep depression. But true to her word, Brunhilde was there to bring him out of it. Rather than despairing over Zara's death, they found solace in the all-too-brief time they had spent with her. And yet, in quiet moments, Brunhilde could tell her father's mind faded into the distance desperate to hold on to moments he could never truly relive. The years passed with Thomas and Brunhilde enjoying their solitary existence. But when Brunhilde came of age, word quickly spread of her incredible beauty. Although King Thomas's castle was far removed from other kingdoms, its remote location didn't stop a flood of suitors from making the treacherous journey to seek his daughter's hand. Brunhilde, are you almost ready? Must I see another suitor? This is the fifth one in the past fortnight. I know, I know, but the Prince of Jarlsberg has traveled very far to meet you. He's very dashing. I think he might be the one. <laughs> Is that so? I spied him coming through the gates. If you think him handsome, I fear to know what you consider ugly. <laughs> uh, please, at least give him a chance. His journey here was quite arduous. Fine. Just promise me you won't make me marry him if I don't want to. Of course not, my dear. 
I wouldn't dream of it. Brunhilde was an expert at finding flaws in her would-be paramours. Too tall, too short, too average. Annoying laugh. Never laughed. A stray eyebrow hair. No eyebrows at all. The list went on and on. In truth, many of these suitors were more than acceptable, and Brunhilde knew it. The real reason she rejected them all was that she was afraid to leave her father's castle. Life on the mountain was safe and secure, and she had promised her mother to always take care of Thomas. Brunhilde feared what would happen to him if she left their rocky haven. And so she sent the Prince of Jalsburg on his way, just as she did with the Earl of Dresden and the Duke of Vienna. Every man who came to King Thomas's castle hoping for a bride left only with disappointment. One summer day, Brunhilde was perched on the castle walls, watching a late afternoon thunderstorm gather on the horizon. As the clouds rolled in, Brunhilde spotted a hunter chasing after a massive stag. She hoped he had a shelter nearby. Getting caught in one of these downpours was no joke. Just as she was about to head inside, she saw the hunter slip and fall as he tried to leap over a stream. He didn't get up. Brunhilde cursed to herself. Once the rain started, the stream would quickly swell into a rushing river. There was no time to summon her father's men to go down and help him. Brunhilde would have to go herself, or the man would be swept away in the current. Quick as a flash, Brunhilde was off the wall and running through the courtyard. She made it through the gate just as the rain started to come down. Brunhilde willed herself to go faster. If she didn't, both she and the hunter would die in the storm. Brunhilde made it to the water just in time to pull the hunter away from the expanding current. As she dragged him to safety, he stirred, rubbing the rapidly growing bump on his head. What's going on? I'm saving your life, you imbecile. What were you thinking, hunting so soon before the storm? Apologies, my lady. I do not know this land well. I was chasing a stag and lost track of time. Thank you for saving me. I'll be on my way. You're not fit to go anywhere. Here, let me help you. We have plenty of room in the castle for you to rest and recover. Together, Brunhilde and the hunter, who introduced himself as Eric, walked to the castle. King Thomas was more than happy to let him stay for a few days and recover from his head wound. To her surprise, Brunhilde didn't mind either. Somehow, she found herself repeatedly walking down the corridor toward his room, Whether it was to bring him tea or change his bandages, there was always a reason to pay Eric a visit. He was just so easy to talk to. Whenever she was by Eric's bedside, Brunhilde's worries melted away. It was not unusual for her to enter his chamber at midday and leave after the sun had set. 
Brunhilde knew it wasn't proper for a lady of her standing to be spending so much time with a lowly hunter, but she couldn't help herself. As much as she didn't want to admit it, she was falling in love. One morning, Brunhilde came down to Eric's chamber to bring him some porridge. Much to her surprise, he was out of bed. Her heart sank. He was packing up his things. You could stay a little while longer, if you like, Eric. I wish it could be so, princess. But I cannot take advantage of your father's hospitality forever. I must return home. To your wife? No, no, nothing like that. Then what is it? I have duties, responsibilities I cannot shirk. Tears welled in Brunhilde's eyes. She couldn't bear the thought of him leaving. Please, don't go, Eric. I know we've only known each other for a few days, but I... I love you. I don't care if you are not of noble blood. Stay with me. We would... Be happy here. Eric sighed and looked deep into the princess's longing eyes. His voice dropped to a trembling whisper. I feel the same way, Brunhilde. But alas, I am afraid I have withheld things that it is long past time you knew. I am more than just a hunter. My true name is Prince Eric of Hearts. Noble blood runs in my veins. Sure as it does yours. Why would you keep that from me? Because on the day we met, I was actually on my way to try to win your hand. Your beauty is legendary, Brunhilde. As is your reluctance to marry. I wanted to tell you who I really was, but then I fell in love. I was afraid that if I told you the truth, you'd shun me like all the others. I see... I suppose there's only one way to rectify the situation. What is it, Brunhilde? Please, I'll do anything to make things right. You could ask me to become your wife. Prince Eric happily complied. With King Thomas's blessing, Eric returned to his kingdom to arrange the upcoming nuptials. Brunhilde spent the days anxiously waiting for her betrothed to return for her. A few days after Prince Eric had left, Brunhilde was trying to busy herself with some needlework. It was a tiresome activity, but it helped keep her mind from wandering off. As Brunhilde concentrated on a particularly tricky section, the princess was surprised by a heavy knock at the castle gates. Brunhilde dropped her needle in shock. She wasn't expecting Eric back so soon. Hearts was at least a week's ride away, and a fortnight had yet to pass since he had departed from King Thomas's castle. Brunhilde smiled to herself. Perhaps he was in as much of a rush to wed as she was. She ran down to the courtyard, ready to greet her beloved as the guards opened the gates. But it wasn't Prince Eric standing at the threshold. It was a giant. Coming up, a new suitor vies for Brunhilde's hand. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, 
the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. And now back to the story. Princess Brunhilda stepped back in shock. When someone had knocked at the castle gate, she thought it was her betrothed, Prince Eric of Hearts. Instead, she found herself faced with a snarling giant. Standing over 20 feet tall, he held a massive club in one hand and an enormous burlap sack in the other. The guards rushed towards the intruder, but he smacked them away as if they were little more than irksome gnats. Brunhilde tried to back away, but in her haste, she tripped over the hem of her dress. <laughs> Am I that frightful to you, little one? Don't come any closer. But the giant ignored her. He advanced towards Brunhilde, batting away several more guards who tried to come to her rescue. But before he could reach her, King Thomas appeared in the courtyard, sword in hand. What is the meaning of this? Stay away from my daughter, you foul beast! <laughs> That's no way to treat a guest, King Thomas. My name is Bodo. Your daughter's beauty is legendary, even amongst my people. I must say, she lives up to her reputation. I have decided to make her my wife. You will do no such thing. I will never allow her to marry a creature like you. <laughs> Don't be so hasty, Your Grace. I'm prepared to offer a significant dowry. Bodo dropped the sack he was holding to the ground. A veritable fortune of gold and gems came spilling out. This is a down payment. You have three days to consider my proposal. I will return then. But be warned, if you don't give me what I want, I will tear this castle down with my bare hands to get it. With that, Bodo turned and stalked out of the courtyard, flinging aside a few more guards for good measure. King Thomas ran to Brunhilde and helped her to her feet. Together, they watched Bodo's hulking form disappear down the mountainside. Once they could no longer hear his crashing footsteps, Thomas turned to his daughter and looked her in the eyes. I don't care what riches he promises, Brunhilde. You will never marry him. Men, begin defensive preparations at once! Father, you saw what Bodo did to your guards. It doesn't matter what defenses we have. You'll never be able to fight him off. Nonsense. We simply weren't expecting him. Next time, we'll be ready. But Brunhilde was not so certain. When she was a child, her mother had thrilled her with stories of the fearsome giants who dwelled in the northern lands. As Zara told it, 
they were invincible. And from what Brunhilde had just seen, the stories were true. Over the next three days, Brunhilde watched as her father readied the castle's defenses. She appreciated his efforts, but she knew they were in vain. There was no time to summon help from Prince Eric and the people of Hearts either. If they were going to try to fight Bodo off, they would be on their own. As the sun rose at the dawn of the third day, the light from its rays caught some stray rubies that remained in the courtyard. The resulting glow cast a fiery pall across the castle. Brunhilde shuddered. She knew that if she refused Bodo's proposal, the entire castle would soon be consumed by flames that were all too real. King Thomas, arrayed in his finest armor, directed preparations from the castle walls. Brunhilde looked up at him, her heart filled with love for her father. He would do anything to protect her, and she would do the same for him. When Brunhilde heard the bell toll, she knew what it meant. Bodo was approaching. Each of Bodo's knocks shook the castle to its foundations. Brunhilde was surprised he didn't splinter the gate into pieces. She looked to her father, but he showed no sign of fear. His face was a mask of determination. Archers, knock your arrows. Loose at my command. No! Father, I can't let you do this. Guards, open the gate. But Brunhilde... I promised Mother I would protect you. I'm honoring my word. Please, let him in. Oh, very well. Guards, do as she commands. You have made the correct decision. Although I must say, I was rather looking forward to leveling this castle to its foundations. However, I am true to my word. I will spare you, King Thomas. Now come, my bride. We have a long way to travel. My first gift to you, Brunhilde. The finest stallion from my stables. I don't know how to ride. I will teach you. Now, get in the saddle. Brunhilde looked at the pure white stallion with apprehension. It was true, she had never learned to ride, but it was either get on this one or share a saddle with Bodo. Her new fiancé had already climbed onto his own mount, a massive jet-black steed, darker than a moonless night. Brunhilde had seen etchings of giant creatures called elephants in her books, this monstrous steed dwarfed them by far. She gazed into the eyes of the smaller white horse. They radiated kindness and warmth. Somehow Brunhilde knew she could trust this animal. With King Thomas's help, she climbed into the saddle. Brunhilde's hunch was right. The horse made no attempt to throw her off. Bodo spurred his horse forward. Brunhilde's stallion followed, gently trotting through the gates. 
Brunhilde barely had to hold the reins. It was as if the horse could sense her commands. As the castle gates shut behind them, Bodo turned to Brunhilde, a dark grin on his face. I am pleased you accepted my proposal, Brunhilde. We ride for my lands at once. Once we arrive, we shall begin preparations for the wedding. Bodo's horse took off at a gallop, its hooves striking the earth like thunderclaps. Brunhilde's stallion followed, running so gracefully that it barely seemed to touch the ground. They rode day and night, the landscape whirring by in a blur. Brunhilde had no idea where they were going. She had never left her mountain haven. All she knew was that they were heading far away from the only home she had ever known. Brunhilde thought of Prince Eric back in hearts. She had never gotten the chance to bid him farewell. While she longed to see him one more time, she hoped that when he found out what had happened, he wouldn't try to come rescue her. Bodo would smash him like a bug. When King Thomas's messenger relayed to Prince Eric that Brunhilde was in Bodo's clutches, Eric flew into a rage. He wanted to assemble an army to save her from the evil giant, but even with the full might of the heart's kingdom behind him, he knew Bodo would prevail. Brunhilde was truly on her own. After what seemed like an eternity, Brunhilde and Bodo arrived at his castle. The land surrounding it was cold and barren. There were no small hamlets bustling with activity, no farmers sowing fields. Bodo's fortress was completely mirthless, built from dark, jagged stone. It seemed to be the very embodiment of evil. Welcome to your new home, Princess Brunhilde. I hope it is to your liking. Yes, I am most pleased. I have sent word to my brethren of our impending nuptials. Once they arrive, we shall be married. He brushed her cheek with his long, slimy fingers. Brunhilde tried not to be sick. She knew she was at Bodo's mercy. If she did anything to displease him, he would surely kill her. And then he would probably return to King Thomas's castle and kill him, too. As Bodo busied himself with preparations for the wedding, Brunhilde spent every moment she could with her beautiful white stallion. The warm stable served as her only comfort in Bodo's cold, dark palace. Bodo knew Brunhilde would never try to escape. If she did, he would return to King Thomas's castle and exact revenge. Secure in his knowledge that his betrothed loved her father too much to risk his death, Bodo allowed her to ride the horse as much as she wished. She took full advantage of this freedom. Whenever she wasn't with the horse in the stable, she was sitting astride him, galloping across the countryside. The more she rode, the stronger her near-telepathic bond with the horse became. She barely had to hold on to the reins. 
They were more of a formality than a necessity. With the frosty wind biting at her cheeks, Brunhilde was able to momentarily forget her troubles. When she was in the saddle, nothing could harm her. On one of these daily rides, Brunhilde found her mind wandering to her lost love, Prince Eric. She hoped he was faring better than her. Brunhilde wanted nothing more than to see his face once again. She closed her eyes, reminiscing about one of their lengthy bedside conversations. Brunhilde lost herself in the memory. The fire was bright and warm, but nothing could light up the room like Eric's smile. She could see him in her mind's eye, sipping his tea and laughing. They both knew that the bandage wrapped around his head was just an excuse. If only they had used it to stay in that room and never leave. Without warning, the horse stopped in its tracks, rearing up in fear. Brunhilde went flying off its back. Thankfully, a soft snowbank cushioned her fall. Breathing a sigh of relief, Brunhilde scrambled to her feet to see what had spooked her companion. Brunhilde gasped. They were standing at the edge of a steep precipice. Far below, the cliff gave way to a rushing river whose bubbling whitewater cut through the landscape like a knife. The chasm stretched hundreds of feet across, unlike the hard-scrabble, wintry hellscape of Bodo's domain. The other side of the divide was lush and green. In the distance, she could see the towers of a faraway castle. Somehow it looked familiar to her, but she didn't know why. Before coming to Bodo's lands, Brunhilde had never left the immediate surroundings of her father's castle. Suddenly, it clicked. Brunhilde knew how she recognized the castle. Eric had told her all about it. Of course, he spoke of it as if he were a lowly hunter who lived in its shadow. In reality, he might be in one of those towers at that very moment, looking out in Brunhilde's direction. She patted the horse as she drank in the wondrous sight before her. He must have sensed her desire to reunite with Prince Eric and brought her as close to him as possible. Until this moment, Brunhilde had never seriously considered fleeing from Bodo. But now, with the love of her life in her sights, she was overcome with determination to be free of her would-be husband. But before she could be with Eric, she had to find a way to prevent Bodo from hurting her or those she loved, no matter what. Coming up, Brunhilde makes her break for freedom. And now, the conclusion of our story. As she stood on the frozen precipice separating Bodo's lands from the Kingdom of Hearts, Brunhilde was filled with hope. Before, she had never even dared to entertain thoughts of running away. She feared that her 20-foot-tall fiancé would exact revenge on the people Brunhilde cared about the most. 
But with her beloved Prince Eric's castle rising in the distance, she resolved to find a way to rid the world of Bodo's nefarious presence forever. Upon returning her beloved white stallion to his stable, Brunhilde received an invitation to join Bodo for dinner. As with his request to marry him, she knew Bodo wasn't really giving her a choice. Once she changed out of her riding clothes, Brunhilde went to the dining chamber. Her heart thumped in her chest as she walked through the heavy doors. Bodo had never had her join him for a meal before. She wondered if he had somehow found out about her plan to escape. Ah, my lovely bride-to-be. Have a seat, Brunhilde. Very well. (laughs) I frighten you, don't I? I can't say I'm surprised. You humans are such fearful, fragile things. Worry not. I shall protect you once we're man and wife. Better than your father could. (laughs) Oh, don't look so glum. Tonight is a joyous occasion. I have just received word that my fellow giants are on their way to the castle. We shall be wed before the new moon. That's wonderful. Yes, yes it is. Now, why don't we have a drink to celebrate? Come, pour me a glass of wine. As you wish. Ah, another. <sighs> Delicious. You may return to your chamber. Leave the wine. Of course, my lord. Brunhilde curtsied and turned to go. When she came in, she had been consumed by fear. But now, she couldn't stop smiling. Bodo had finally shown his weakness, and she knew how to exploit it. The next day, Brunhilde went to the stable at the crack of dawn. She had a lot of work to do. She hoped the bond she had with her horse was as powerful as she thought it was. If not, her plan would never succeed. As they trotted out of the stable, Brunhilde fixed a single image in her mind. A moment later, the horse sped into a gallop. As they tore across the landscape, Brunhilde concentrated on the image in her head. Everything rested on the horse's ability to sense her thoughts. Eventually, the horse came to a stop in front of a small plant with round blackberries. Brunhilde climbed off the horse's back. She knelt in front of the plant and smiled. Just what she was looking for. She picked the berries and carefully placed them in a sack. Nightshade was a notoriously poisonous plant. Just a few of these berries could kill a grown man. But it would take more than a few berries to kill Bodo. She climbed back into the saddle. Once again, she fixed an image of this deadly plant in her head. She might not know where these berries grew, 
But the horse clearly did. Brunhilde's plan was simple. Gather enough nightshade berries to kill Bodo. Growing up, she had read a book on botany that detailed the plant's lethal effects. Eating 10 to 20 berries could kill an adult. Brunhilde expected it would take at least 10 times as many to slay a giant. As his betrothed, it would be Brunhilde's duty to pour his wine during the pre-wedding feast. If she could infuse it with enough nightshade berry juice, she might have a chance of killing the giant without him even realizing it. She just hoped that the berry's sweetness would be enough to mask the poison. Every day, Brunhilde repeated the same routine. She was on horseback from dawn till dusk, with her trusty steed guiding her to every nightshade plant it could find. It was a long, arduous process. They didn't all have berries, and many that did only had a few. And with more giants arriving for the wedding, she had to be careful not to arouse any suspicion. Finally, the night before the wedding arrived, Brunhilde joined Bodo and his fellow giants in the Great Hall. There she is, my bride-to-be. Look at her, my friends. Is she not the most beautiful creature you have ever laid eyes upon? Brunhilde, go fetch the wine. Let us toast to our impending nuptials. It would be my pleasure. She hurried into the storeroom. Brunhilde pulled open a dusty cabinet and pulled out a bottle of dark liquid. This was it. All the nightshade berry juice she had managed to procure, she poured it into Bodo's jug of wine. Brunhilde heaved the jug into her arms and carried it out to Bodo. She ladled a large helping into his glass. Very good. Now, be a good girl and serve the rest of our guests. Brunhilde froze. Her plan hinged on Bodo drinking all this wine himself. If it was spread amongst all the giants, the worst that would happen to them was a few upset stomachs. She whispered into Bodo's ear. My lord, I had this wine specially ordered for you. I promise you, it's the finest vintage you've ever tasted. It would be a shame to waste it on the others. Agreed. You see, we're making quite the team already. Bring our gathered friends something more suitable to their palates. Brunhilde did as she was told. Throughout the evening, she made sure that Bodo, and only Bodo, drank from the jug of poisoned wine. Every time he gulped down a new goblet, she watched in anticipation for any sign the poison was taking effect but he would merely grunt and hold the cup out for more. But as the night wore on, Brunhilde noticed that Bodo's eyelids were growing heavy. When he got up to speak to a friend, he swayed on his feet for a moment. Brunhilde's stomach was suddenly full of butterflies. When the poison took hold, it could cause drowsiness and dizziness before the more severe effects kicked in. 
Of course, it could also just mean that Bodo was getting drunk. Brunhilde watched with bated breath as Bodo staggered to a group of giants. He stopped in his tracks, a look of confusion on his face, and then he crumpled to the ground. This was it, now or never. As the guests crowded around Bodo's prone body, Brunhilde slipped out of the door and sprinted to the stable. Before the feast had started, she had been sure to get the horse saddled and ready for a quick departure. She threw on her cloak and jumped on his back. Brunhilde didn't need to flick the reins or spur him on. All she had to do was fix an image of Prince Eric in her mind. Her beloved stallion did the rest. Back in the castle, Bodo's eyes shot open. He lumbered to his feet, scanning the room. Where did she go? Where is Brunhilde? As Bodo looked around the hall, he noticed that a side door leading to the stables was ajar. With the guests looking on in confusion, he staggered after his runaway bride. He couldn't believe it. After the hospitality he had shown her, he couldn't believe she would try to poison him. It was a shame he would have to kill her. Brunhilde was so beautiful. But there were plenty of beautiful women in the world. Once he was finished with the princess, he could get himself a new wife. One who wouldn't try to murder him. Bodo limped into the stable and struggled onto his jet-black steed. With Brunhilde's horse leaving hoofprints in the snow, it wouldn't take long to catch her. Brunhilde's heart raced with fear as she heard the distant booms, like ominous peals of thunder. She had heard those sounds before. It was the sound of Bodo's enormous black steed galloping after her. Her plan had failed. Bodo still lived. Brunhilde closed her eyes, willing her horse to go faster. The stallion quickened its pace, but it was no use. Soon, Bodo's horse appeared in the distance, with the hulking giant on its back. It was only a matter of time until it caught up to them. It was time for a new plan. Brunhilde fixed a new image in her head. Her horse changed course accordingly. The stallion left the road and began to traverse the snowy landscape. Soon enough, they approached Brunhilde's desired destination, the massive gorge separating Bodo's lands from the Kingdom of Hearts. Brunhilde steeled herself. There was no time for doubt. They had to try to make the jump. This time, the horse didn't stop short at the edge. With Brunhilde urging him on, he leapt into the air. They stayed aloft for what seemed like an eternity, but Brunhilde never looked down. She kept her eyes forward, focused on Prince Eric's castle. The stallion's front hoof landed on a rocky outcropping with a loud crack, leaving a massive indentation in the ground. They had made it across with only inches to spare. As her horse slowed to a stop, Brunhilde turned around. She watched as Bodo's mount stopped short of the cliff. I didn't know you were scared of heights, Bodo. 
Afraid your little pet can't make the leap? <laughs> you won't be so smug when I fly across that gap, you stupid girl. I will flay your skin. I will crunch your bones. I will reduce your father's castle to dust. Everyone and everything you love will be destroyed at my hands. Yeah! With a shout, Bodo whipped the reins and spurred his horse forward. Obeying its master, the massive steed leapt into the void, just as Brunhilde had hoped. Bodo's horse was strong, but its power wasn't enough to overcome the weight of its massive rider. It never had a chance of clearing the gap. Brunhilde and Bodo locked eyes as the giant plummeted to his death. Even he wasn't strong enough to withstand such a fall. Brunhilde peered over the edge, just to be sure. Far below, she could see Bodo's broken, mangled body lying on the rocks. Eventually, the river's current pulled his corpse to its watery grave. Brunhilde turned back to her horse and climbed into the saddle. As the sun rose over the verdant pastures of hearts, they rode for Prince Eric's castle. They rode towards love, towards happiness, towards freedom. The story of Princess Brunhilde at Rostrapa most likely came to life as an explanation for a large, hoof-shaped indentation atop a mountain in Germany's Hartz Mountains. This mountain was called the Rostrapa, whose name derives from Ros, meaning steed or horse, and Trappen, the German onomatopoeic word for the clip-clopping of a horse's hooves. The river that runs below it is called the Boda, named after Bodo the Giant. In reality, the indentation of the Rostrapa was probably created as an altar basin for ancient Germanic tribes, although it's safe to say nobody ever actually believed that this indentation atop a rocky crag in the Hartz Mountains was created by a leaping white stallion. It shows the power myths and legends have in a local context. Today, the so-called hoofprint is a major draw for tourists, with a chairlift that ascends to the top of the Rostrapa. And while there's little chance of encountering an evil giant, the legend of Brunhilde and her famous escape still provides an air of magic. Standing atop the Rostrapa, it's easy to picture a time in which a brave princess risked life and limb to protect her loved ones and rid the world of a terrible evil. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. 
To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every other Saturday we dive into another dark, classic tale. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Alex Benedon. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Mike Capozzi, Susanna Corrington, Harris Markson, Samantha Moore, Alastair Murden, and Steve Pinto. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Mythology.